If you'll please take your Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy. Last week we studied, uh, started our study and we got through verse 2. And so we're going to go a little bit further today. But we're going to get into the meat of what Paul is talking to Timothy about. And many of the people talked about this passage, and so these again are the last words of Paul to Timothy. He's writing to the pastor of the Ephesians church that he's placed. We already had um, Dave read to us the charge that uh, Paul gave to the elders in Ephesus, and he told them these things were going to come. So he doesn't start off by saying, hey, this is how you need to love your people, or this is how you need to pray. He starts off by saying, is the fight for truth the greatest fight of all? Do we need to fight for truth? Now, there was an illustration that I came across that talked about misinformation. And it was about a, a lady who was going across the country with her young children. And she was on a train and she got to the point where uh, she was worried about missing her stop. And it was very cold in the bleak part of the winter. And so she talked to the um, conductor of the train and said, please, I don't want to miss my stop. And the conductor said, I personally will come and let you know when you are to get off the train where your stop is. So don't worry, just wait for me to come. So a man, a salesman overheard this conversation. And so he sat down near the family and he said, I too have been on this train many times and I will let you know when you're to get off as well. And so they were on the train ride as they were going across the country, and they came, and the train stopped, and the train uh, found itself at a standstill, and the conductor was not coming, but the salesman really thought that they had stopped at the station. And so the the salesman looks at the, the woman and her children and said, you need to get off the train now. This is your stop. And she says, well, I don't see a building or anything like that. And he goes, don't worry. The train has blown its whistle, and the people who will come will come and pick you up and take you where you need to go. You need to get off the train now. So the wife and the children get off the train, and the train keeps going. Well, it comes to the next stop, and the conductor comes back to the cabin where he was supposed to talk to the lady. And he said, where is the young woman and her children? And the salesman said, I told them to get off at the last stop. And the conductor replied, that wasn't a stop. We were just letting another train go by. So then they started the process of backing up the train to find this young woman and her children. And when they found her, she was frozen to death. Now, again, I don't know if that's a real story. But it does represent what we're trying to understand, that misinformation can be deadly. And I want you to think about this because it applies to the passage that we're going to look at today, this morning. So we're looking at 1 Timothy, starting at verse 3 and going through verse 7. Hear the word of the Lord. And as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and to endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. And the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. For certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident 
assertions. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, it is to you that we come because it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that you gave these words. And so now we need the Holy Spirit to give us insight and understanding. Father, let it be you who teaches this morning and not myself. And as you teach us, may we be encouraged and built up and find ourselves more in love with you and more in love with the people around us. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So as we begin to unpack this passage, the first thing we're going to see is that Paul tells Timothy to stand firm. Stand firm, Timothy. Now, if we're honest, most people um, hate confrontation, don't we? If we're able to run away from it or get out of it, most of us, not all of us, but most of us don't like confrontation. So when Christine and I uh, got married early in our marriage, and if she would send me into a store to buy something, there was an inevitable situation where I was checking out that the people would say, would you like a warranty with this? (sighs) Now, if it was a store where the person was getting some money or some points or a unicorn, I don't know. They were getting something if I was going to buy this warranty. And so they would continue to push and push and push and push. Don't you want this warranty with this product? It's only so much money for so many years. And all you have to do is bring it back. And I would get so tired and I wanted to get out of the store so quickly that I would say, yes, give me the stupid warranty. And then I would go out to the car and Christina would ask me and I would say, you know what? You need to go in and cancel our warranty. <laughs> I didn't want it. I didn't want to buy it. But they made me. And now you need to go and get our money back. Because we know those things don't work, right? There's one time I did buy one. My thing did break. And so I went and they said, what do you want us to do about it? I paid my extra $20 to get this thing fixed. Well, it's going to cost $40. Well, it only cost me $60. I go get a new one. So now I go in the store. I'm a little bit more bolden, right? Do you want the warranty? Don't make eye contact. (laughs) Don't make eye contact. No, I don't want the warranty. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Just leave me alone. I just want to leave the, I just want to leave the store. Okay, sir, you don't have to buy it. Hate confrontation. Hate it. Now, apply this to the situation where Timothy, remember last week, we know that he's young and he's timid. And he's brought into a situation where, again, Paul is saying, I'm putting you into a very important church, Timothy. And you're going to go through some rough times. And he told him, look, there are going to be times where you're going to feel hopeless. You're going to feel unappreciated. You're going to feel alone. Ever feel that way? You know, one of the, one of the reasons people, is just, people tell me, you need to be more encouraging. I get it. But you need to tell people when they're doing things well. You know why I don't do it in this setting? 
Because inevitably, I could say um, all the good things and talk about all the persons, but there would inevitably be a time where I forgot that one person. And they would be devastated. Pastor Jeff doesn't love me. He doesn't care about what I do for the church. See ya, Northside. So don't think I don't care. Don't think that I'm not trying to encourage you. I'm trying not to mess up. And I do it a lot. But Paul comes in and he talks to young Timothy and he says, I'm going to warn you that it's going to be hard. Ministry is going to be hard, Timothy. And so what he tells him is he gives him this word. And I wish you would memorize this word. Prosmeno. Prosmeno. Because what it is, it's a strong exhortation. And what he's telling us, he's saying, remain. Don't run away. Remain here. Fight the good fight. Stand firm, Timothy. I know it's going to be hard. But stand for the truth. Because things that I have sent you to, Timothy, they're about to become very, very difficult. And so he sets it up in this specific way. And so again, when he says you're coming to a difficult task, we know that there's some things that are going to be difficult, right? We know that we should expect difficult times with Satan. We know we're going to be in a spiritual battle. If you are a Christian, you are in a spiritual battle. And as you're in that spiritual battle, Satan begins to whisper lies to you. He begins to to come in. He starts to destroy you and beat you down. And you know that's going to happen. But there's also a sense where he said, hey, Timothy, you're also going to have a difficult task fighting against the world. You're in one of the metropolises. Everything that's bad is around you. They are, uh, he's going to, going to be in a place where, again, remember the guild? They were selling all these statues, all these fake things, and yet Paul had so devastated the economy for them that they were like, we got to kill this guy. He's killing our business. And so all this stuff is happening around him. And so he's fighting against the world. But he's also fighting against his own flesh. And he knows that. Remember what Paul tells us? The things I want to do, I don't do. But the things that I don't want to do, I do. So we get caught in this battle just with ourselves. But what is so overwhelming in this difficult task is he says, I want you to understand that your difficult task is going to happen with church members. What? Timothy, it's going to come from within the church. There are going to be false teachers and leadership who's going to be leading people astray. There are people who are going to want you away from this place. They're going to be saying things that are opposite of what you're saying. And Timothy, understand that, that their understanding and their teaching, it doesn't come from a pure heart or a good conscience, or sincere faith. And those false teachers really don't care about the people in the church. You want to know if someone really cares about you? How do they love you? How do they love you? 
And so Paul comes to Timothy. He says, stand first and foremost, Timothy. But he tells him, stand firm on the truth. Stand firm on the truth. See, I really do believe that these people who are going off into heretical things didn't do it um, on purpose. I think they really did probably start off to say, how can we go deeper into the Scripture? But what happens is they started to go deeper. They started going outside of Scripture. One of the best quotes for me came from Billy Graham when he said this. I needed to, in his lifetime, he said, I need to spend less time reading books about the Bible and more time in the Bible. That's all of us. We need to quit spending. It doesn't mean you, spend, you don't spend any time with other books, but we need to be with the book. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, Stay in the word, know the word so that you might never stray from the truth. So you always understand so that you always might be able to fight because here's where we live. And this is where we've come from the reformation where people were starting to say, I am above the word. I'm the one who says what is right or wrong. I'm the one who rips the pages out of the Bible. I'm the one that says whether this should be applicable to me or not. No, no. No! It has to be the Word above us. Always and forever. So the Word comes and it tells us what we are to believe and how we are to do and how we are to live. And we are supposed to address anything and everything that strays from the Gospel message. It's not just us talking about what is right and good theology. We have to say what is bad theology. Because if we don't, people will be led astray. And so he says, please come and make sure that the word stays above you. Because there are people who are going to come and they're going to be arrogant and they're going to be ignorant of the word. Timothy? And this is where we start to get into things like genealogies. And genealogies are extra biblical. And it's, it's where people were starting to go back and they're going outside of the Bible. And they're starting to say, hey, you know what? I was connected to this person. I didn't, you know, I took my uh, family tree. I know who I'm connected to. It's almost like they're name dropping. Do you know who I am? Do you know how important of a family I come from? Do you know the connections that I have? Do you understand that I can tell you what to do? So you have these genealogies that are going on, but you also have myths. These um, very ancient events that went on, they were beginning to try to understand and trying to decipher what they were going on. So they're starting to let people astray, people who don't know. And so, you, well, did you know that this, is, this myth went ahead and uh, this is what's going on? I didn't know that. Well, yeah, because I'm smarter than you. So I'm telling you this is what to believe. But it's not just back then. Listen, a story this week. They said there is a Catholic priest who baptized the people in the church with the words, we baptize you, instead of saying, I baptize you. And so the Catholic church 
came in and said of the thousands of people that he has baptized in his lifetime, those baptisms aren't good. Those people now have to be found and re-baptized. From the pronoun of we to I, otherwise those people are going to hell. And this priest now can no longer be in the pulpit or anything like that. The rest of his life, he's trying to find these people to rebaptize them so he isn't sending them to hell. You know who the Antichrist is? I was told at one point, Barney was. Barney the purple dinosaur. Look at, I'm not making this stuff up, people. There were people who truly believed that Barney the dinosaur was the Antichrist. You know who appeared on his show? Brandon Honey. So it is possible, but not probable. But there are people who in their arrogance or in their ignorance begin to believe extra biblical things and they start to be getting led away. When that happens, there comes about confusion and deception. Paul tells us they are going to start to have speculation. The word is given to us so that we might know God better and fall deeper in love with him and how we are to live. Simple. So when we start focusing or speculating on things that take us outside of that venue, then there's a problem. If we care more about which ah-mill or post-mill or pre-mill, or if you're an infra or superlapsarianism belief, or any of those external things, not that they're bad in and of themselves. But when that becomes more important, then are you loving Jesus Christ with your whole heart? Then something's wrong. And I understand we love theology. We're Presbyterians. We get it. We read. Yay. But if our knowledge becomes greater than our love, something is wrong. And so the speculation is happening, and it says that what it leads to is it leads to vain discussions. So they're having these discussions that don't don't encourage, they don't build up, they're not edifying, and they're not loving. But the Bible is very clear. Get away from idle talk. Get away from the prattle and go back to the word of God. And then Paul tells us very clearly why we are to do this. Why stand firm for the truth? Why say when things are wrong? Why go back to the word of God for all the things? Because he says this is the command. This is the goal and it's called love. It's love. And so we have to remind ourselves that love comes from God. God is love. He is the very definition of it. And so he is the one who comes and brings love to us. He just says, this is what love is. And as he begins to show that to us, he says, then here's what I want. I want you to love God and I want you to love other people. Again, easy to say, hard to do. But we are called to love one another. But pastor, you don't know what this person did to me. I don't care. 
Oh, see, he doesn't care. Nobody cares about what I'm going through. Nobody cares about the situation I'm dealing with. You know who does? Jesus. You know, when you get to a prayer and you're just like, ah, the Holy Spirit goes, I'll translate it. God's got this. You know what? Jesus is on the other side and he hears it. And he goes to his dad. He says, Dad, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Of course I did, son. Dad, are you good? I'm the only thing that's good. Dad, they're going through hard times. I'm always with them. I never leave them nor forsake them. Dad, how much do you love them? I gave everything. I gave everything so that it might be with us forevermore. That's love. When we get that aspect of love right, then what that person did against you, as horrible as it might be, pales in comparison to the sins we did against Jesus Christ. There's a reason why he tells us to pick up our cross every day, why we have to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Because if I don't, then I become self-righteous. And when I become self-righteous, then you become a little bit less of a Christian. And I become just a little bit of a better one. But when God comes to us, and remember last week, the Apostle Paul added a word to Timothy. Remember, he says peace. Remember, he says grace. But he says to Timothy, mercy. Because I need mercy more than you do. Because I get paid to be righteous. So when I start thinking that I have earned the gospel message, I have to repent and go back to the cross and say, Father, forgive me. And then let me forgive others the way that you have forgiven me. So how does this happen? comes from the characteristics of love that he gives to us. And he says, this is how we know what the love is. It comes from a good conscience, a pure heart, and a sincere faith. So what does it mean to have a pure heart? It means that we have a a singleness of our heart towards God. Is everything that we're doing to his glory, to his honor, are we doing everything that so that he might be glorified? Because when that happens, both the external and the internal purity of our soul begins to come out. But it comes from God. Remember what um, David said, Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. We need to have a pure heart and we need to beg God to give it to us. And when we have a pure heart, then when he does, he gives us a good conscience. 
And what's that good conscience? All of us have a conscience. It's not Jimmy the Cricket. But every one of us has a conscience. And it's that inner voice that, for most of us, declares us guilty and condemned. And there are people in this room, people who know Jesus Christ, who still believe that God could not forgive them for the sins that they have committed. I'm telling you, Jesus is sufficient. Quit allowing Satan to whisper in your ear. Quit allowing him to say, you are not good enough. The God of the universe who spoke planets into creation looks in you and he says, I so love you, I gave my son. He paid the price. I remember it no more. But he doesn't stop there. He then looks at you and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. So love with a pure heart. Have a good conscience, but then also have a sincere faith. See, we can have sincerity, which means we're free from pretense and we're free from hypocrisy. But we can have have, um, faith and sincerity in other things. I can sincerely want to kill you. It's not about sincerity. It's about what the sincerity is in. And he says the sincerity that we find is in faith in Jesus Christ. And when we begin to grasp and understand that, then we believe and start to love the way that Christ loves. How did Jesus love? Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands. Love your wives as Christ. Love the church. And he gave himself up for her. What are you giving up? What are you giving up? Then also in Romans 13, verses 8 through 10. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and and any other commandments are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. That's our charge. So Paul comes to Timothy and ultimately to us, and he says, stand firm. I know it's hard. I know you're going to feel alone. I know you're going to feel dejected. Stand firm. Stand firm because there are difficult tasks ahead for the church as well as us as individuals. Stand firm. And as you're standing firm, stand firm in the Word. Go back. Read the Bible. Know the Bible. Teach the Bible. Apply the Bible. And third thing, love as Christ loved you. Love as Christ loved you. 
So as we hear those things, listen again to Paul to Timothy. The aim of our charge is this. It's to love. And a love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. That's our charge. May we hear it, and may we apply it. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, as we come to your word, we know that it's your word. So, Father, again, if we're honest, at least if I'm honest, there are many times I'm timid. I'm frightened to say hard things because I don't want people to dislike me. I don't want to offend. I want to be comfortable. So, Father, I need the words to stand firm. To never back down from the truth of the gospel. That I would stand firm on the truth of your word and preach only your word and not my own thoughts. The Father, make me a pastor who loves. Loves the way that Christ loves the church. And then, Father, may that goal of love be found in a pure love, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And Father, we pray all this by the power of the Holy Spirit. But we pray it in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen.